Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. So welcome in, everyone, to another exciting and hopefully at least moderately interesting episode of Sports Tonight College Football. I'm your host, Jim Johnson, with our college football expert, guru, and all-around nice guy, as far as I know, Mike Lowe. Mike, how you doing? I'm uh, doing great, Jim. How are you? I'm good, thanks. All right, we've got the SEC East we're going to look at. Or you might as well call it the Georgia Division, uh, like you can call the SEC West the Alabama Division, but I think maybe even more so with Georgia right now. You know, This is their division, basically, isn't it? Uh, you know, if there are two certainties about the SEC East, it is that uh, Georgia will win and Vanderbilt will finish last. And so um, <laughs> the, uh, probably the more interesting part of our discussion is going to be what happens with the middle five. I would agree with that. So tell me about Georgia. What is there any way they don't win this um, yeah, that that was about the only thing that I could think of um, would be, you know, in, too many injuries at key positions, namely quarterback Stetson Bennett's back, and so, um, you know, if if he were to suffer a season-ending injury. Yeah, yeah, that that would be a tough thing for them to overcome. Um, you know, a lot of it will depend on, you know, how good the teams behind them are, and, you know, we'll go over that. But, um, you know, I think there are a couple of very good ones that could maybe challenge Georgia in that situation. Um, but, you know, they each have kind of their own uh, question marks as well. Well, and you, you mentioned Stetson Bennett. I'm not sure that we're talking about him enough in, in the college football world here. Uh, and, you know, he finished up the, the season as a starting quarterback, and basically JT Daniels took a look at the situation and said, I'd better pack up and go. And they averaged 38 points a game last year. Of course, you heard about the defense because the defense was so dominating. That's a pretty good offensive output, and they ought to be at least in that ballpark again this year, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it was like you said, that nobody really talked about how good their offense was, but by many measures, they were one of the top 10 offenses in college football last year. I think the, they had, yeah, that, that 36 a game, you know, that was 10th in the country in points per game. Um, you know, they were just very efficient offensively, and you just didn't hear about it because their defense was just so dominant. Um, Todd Munkin, uh, you know, he's certainly one of the best offensive coordinators in the game. Um, you know, um, Bennett, he'll still have some pretty good weapons to throw to, particularly at tight end. Um, you know, he's got uh, Brock Bowers. Uh, you know, that kid just kind of took the whole um, SEC by storm with the way he played last year as a freshman. And, um, you know, they got Eric Gilbert coming back, um, uh, Darnell Washington coming back too. So, you know, that they've got kind of a nice tight end factory. Wide receiver might be a little bit of a question mark for them. 
Well, and they're going to probably need the offense to, you know, be close to what it was last year at least because, you know, defense, three, only three returning starters and a new defensive coordinator. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. They're, realistically, they're not going to be as good as they were last year. Uh, but they've still got plenty of cushion that they can slip and still be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you know, th this is where it all just kind of falls back to the job that Kirby Smart has done recruiting. Um, you know, over the past several years, he's been recruiting at a at an elite level, and so you know they've got some guys there who presumably ought to be plug and play. And you know, like you said, it's not like there's not going to be any drop off at all. But I don't suspect that it's going to be significantly enough that the, um, the defense would be the reason that they are at serious risk of not being able to win the SEC East. Okay, well, who do you think is going to be their top challenger? Uh, well, you know, I, I kind of see this division in, um, you know, when you look at these middle fives, there's a couple of different layers there. And, you know, this is where we might differ a little bit. Um, you know, we've kind of touched on this offline a bit. I, I, I see the the team uh, most likely to challenge them being Kentucky. And I know I, I may be going a little against the grain there because I think a lot of people like Tennessee. Yeah. Um, I, I like Kentucky. Um, I just think Mark Stoops has done an outstanding job with that program. He's basically, if you throw out 2020 when they had a down year, but, you know, that was the COVID year, and I think they had some COVID issues themselves. He's just... Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just steadily improved that program in a year-on-a-year -year basis. They're they're recruiting. I mean, they're they're not among the elite, but they're recruiting better than you would ever expect a school like Kentucky to recruit. Uh, Will Levis is, um, you know, some people are talking about him. You know, I think most people think he's probably first-round draft pick material yeah. at quarterback. I've heard that too. Yeah, yeah I've, I've even I've even heard maybe number one overall. I don't know about that. Um, I think he's not, not he's clearly yeah. he is the best quarterback in that conference, not named Bryce Young. I, I will say that, and um, you know that goes for Stetson Bennett. Um, I just I'm a big Will Levis fan. I think you know he's multi-dimensional. He really does some great things, um, you know, with them last year when he finally got a chance. You know, at Penn State, he was just uh, more kind of a change of pace guy that they would bring in for his running ability, and uh, you know. He, he was just really able to untap into his potential there at Kentucky. Um, defensively, I think they'll be pretty solid. Uh, their secondary is a big question mark, though. But, you know, if you look at uh, their game last year with Georgia, outside of Alabama, I don't know if there's – any team on their schedule last year that maybe put a bigger scare into Georgia than Kentucky did. Uh, you know, there were kind of a couple of, they were just hanging in there and a couple of weird things happened in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, a certain touchdown pass got dropped. There was that play where I think everybody thought it was an incomplete pass and then it, it ended up being a fumble and Georgia player picked it up and ran it back for a touchdown. But I mean, you know, Kentucky was hanging with them for most of that game. Yeah. And I think even you know a lot of the Georgia coaches and players said it themselves. I mean, that that is about as uncomfortable as we've been all season long. Um, 
it, that game was in Athens. This year they get Georgia, in, uh, you know, up there in Lexington. So we'll see. Now, you know, Kentucky does outside of that, of course. You know, they have a bit of a tough schedule, um, you know, SEC wise, because uh, you know the second week they do have to go on the road to Florida. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. That, that, could, that could go either way. That's, I really don't know. Um, you know, it's it's one week after Florida plays Utah, um, and, and same place, you know, they're in the swamp in Gainesville. Um, you know, I want to see how they are against Utah because I think most uh, most outlets I've seen have Utah as a favorite, at least as of right now in oh, that yeah, game. So. Yeah. Um, you know, and the Utes are a pretty physical team. Um, you know, I, I hear out here in Pac-12 country, you hear a lot of uh, opposing coaches say, you know, the week after they play Utah, they just they feel so beat up that it's, you know, they have a tough time going into their next game. So that game at Florida, you know, we'll see we'll see um you know then they have to go to Ole Miss uh you know that's not easy Tennessee they get on the road and you know that's that's the team who you know I kind of flip-flop between those but I lean Kentucky and they get Missouri but other than that uh, you know the, the all their other games are at home so you know it's kind of a nice schedule but uh you know a, a couple of tricky ones there I think but I I'm leaning Kentucky how about uh, running back they have? Chris Rodriguez, uh, I was looking, he put up over 1,300 yards and six yards of carry last year going into his senior season. Again, you don't hear much about you know anybody. You hear a little bit about Levis, but you don't, in general, you don't hear much about Kentucky football. This kid sounds like he's pretty good. Yeah, well, you know, he, he kind of, re, uh, it's like, uh, uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll mention him later, but uh, Tyler Beatty from uh, Missouri, who was the SEC's leading rusher last year, and he got drafted by the Ravens, and, you know, you, uh, you heard his name called out if you watch the NFL draft, if you're, you know, into the Ravens, and you're like, well, who is this guy? Well, all he did was lead the entire SEC in rushing last year, and so, yeah, it, it does seem like... Like, you know, some of these guys at, uh, you know, these kind of middling schools and the SEC, they get overlooked a lot. And you just kind of don't really know they're there because all the focus is on, you know, the big guys. Um, but, you know, it just shows you the depth of talent in that whole conference. Um, you know, just top to bottom, uh, you know, just how tough and how good they are. Well, and also before the SEC became more of a quarterback league. And right. for the, the folks like you and me that grew up watching what was a lot different. Yeah, now the running backs are getting lost in the crowd because of the quarterbacks. Exactly. That's this is true. Well and, and I agree with you by the way on Kentucky. I had them my number two pick. And you know, when when in doubt go with the quarterback. And you know, other mm-hmm. than Bryce Young, uh, I would think that Levis is probably going to show out as the best quarterback in the SEC. And, you know, anymore, it's hard to beat that unless you just have a ridiculously deep roster like Georgia does. You know, Kentucky's exactly. never going to match that kind of depth. But they've got some pretty good front-line players now. They, they just need to get lucky with injuries. Yeah, yeah, and again, Stoops has really done a good job when you look at it, uh, you know, from the perspective of Kentucky, uh, you know, a traditional basketball school where football was just kind of a, you know, a warm-up until, 
basketball right. season. Um, you know, he's injected a lot of excitement into that program, and it seems like, uh, you know, it's showing up on the recruiting trail. When do you think he's going to get the call to go to a bigger school? I'm, I'm assuming at some point that's going to come up. And he's obviously yeah. done well at Kentucky, but I think you kind of alluded to, you know, maybe he's you know, kind of bumping up on the ceiling is what he's going to be able to do there. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I was thinking about this the other day, and, and I think I heard it discussed on another podcast. Um, and I, I don't want to go too far off on a tangent here, but this whole realignment thing and um, the kind of evolution into a power two conferences that are just going to have so much more money than everybody else, what, how that's going to impact the coaching carousel? Because think of it, you know, if you're somebody like Mark Stoops or Jeff Brom at Purdue, um, you know, somebody like that, uh, or maybe Shane Beamer at South Carolina. Let's say somebody like Florida State or Washington are interested in you, and you know that they're in conferences that are just going to be getting less and less money, and and by extension, you know, maybe having a hard time keeping up in terms of resources. Now, maybe they can pay you, the head coach, but maybe they're not going to be able to offer a big enough pool for your assistance that you would like. Not to mention, I mean, you know, these college football staffs are just getting huge now. Um, you know, you're getting analysts and all that, um, nutritionists, um, you know, all the sports sciences and things like that. Yeah, I, I just wonder if some of these guys are going to look at that and say, you know what, maybe I'm better off at this middling SEC or Big Ten program, and maybe I actually have a better chance than I would at going to one of the bigger brand names in a conference, though, that is just falling farther and farther behind in its ability to generate the revenues to really invest in football. And with that, I'll, I'll throw that back to you. I, I'd just be curious yeah, as what your thoughts point. on that are. Yeah, I just wonder if that's going to be a thing or not. You made a really good case for it there, Mike. It, it sounds like we're really resetting the whole equation of that kind of thing because, you know, five years, ten years ago, certainly, probably even five years ago, we don't have that discussion. It's like, yeah, when's he going to get out of Kentucky, right? Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, maybe a, a, a mid-level in one of the two superpower, super-duper conferences is better than being the top dog in the ACC. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, just kind of food for thought there. You know, I, I was I, I was literally thinking about that yesterday, and uh, you know, as I was preparing for our show, and I'm, I'm like, you know, I wonder if we're going to start to see something like that. Well, that's definitely a trend to keep an eye on when the next yeah. aerosol starts spinning in December. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, number three, I've got Tennessee. I, you know, mm -hmm. to me, three, three, six, you could have pulled them out of the hat, pretty much. Uh, uh, you can make a really good case, uh, actually a better case in, in most situations, against them than for them. And that's, that's kind of where we're at in, in the middle there. But, you know, the, they have a, another really good quarterback, Herman Hooker. So, gosh, you got to love that name. But yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a guy, 68% completion, 31 touchdowns versus three picks, going into his senior year. 
he might be able to do something with a quarterback that's putting up those numbers if they can play any kind of defense, which last year they couldn't. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. so Tennessee was definitely my number three, and, and really it, it wasn't all that close. Maybe, you know, I wondered about them in Florida. Um, you know, I definitely put them ahead of, you know, others, um, you know, South Carolina, Missouri. Um, you know, first of all, you know, kudos to Josh Heupel because what he did there last year in getting them to seven wins was, all, you know, practically a miracle uh, when you consider the absolute mess uh, that program was in, the shambles, you know, after the Jeremy Pruitt firing and just a mass exodus of players. Um, you know, I and think he had just... The drama. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, there was just nonstop drama with that program, it seems like. And, um, yeah, I, I think he had 69 scholarship players last season. And so, you know, that to. That sounds like a lot, but it's really not. No, no. I mean, this, uh, it, it cannot be overstated, uh, you know, just how much, um, you know, going through a 12-game college football season at a Power 5 program, especially the SEC, will test your depth. Um, you know, you need to be able to, you know, turn to your bench at times and not have a significant drop-off. Um, and that just gets really hard. And, you know, again, 16 scholarship players might not sound like a lot when 85 is the limit. It's a lot when you have to test your depth. Um, so, you know, again, kudos to him for getting seven uh, wins out of that, um, you know, team last year. And if I, uh, you know, if I'm looking at programs like Stock, I, I would be a buyer on Tennessee, but it would be more a long-term hold. Um, I'm, I don't think they are, you know, they're certainly not going to challenge Georgia this year, and I don't think uh, they're better than Kentucky. And like you said, Jim, it's going to come down to defense. They're one of those, um, you know, they have some issues. One, their offense doesn't always put them in the best situation. Um, you know, Hooker does, you know, for all the numbers he put up, uh, he does need to be a little bit more consistent. And they just run their offense at that breakneck pace, which is great if you're able to get first downs. But when you're running at that kind of pace, you, you do two three and outs, and you know, back-to-back three and outs, and you're just putting so much stress on your defense. And then, you know, the defense last year, they really struggled to get off the field on third downs. I think they, you know, there was uh, something like a third. I looked that up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I knew it was way down there. Yeah, they, they were, they really struggled to get off the field on third downs. And when that happens, you're just giving up long drive after long drive, and next thing you know, you're just completely worn out. Um, then you go back so, to the depth issue. Exactly, and that comes back to death. Again, uh, I like Tennessee as a long-term play. Um, I think they're, they were one of the ones that really jumped on top of this whole NIL thing. Um, yeah, I do think that the big behemoths of the sport are going to kind of catch up. You think of, you know, who's, who's the, the leader in that space? I would say, you know, Tennessee, Miami, um, you know, Texas A&M. Uh, but, you know, the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Ohio States are all going to catch up. Uh, but, you know, 
There, there certainly is commitment there, and you know NIL is certainly an area where they can uh, you know take advantage of being out in front. They got that uh, five-star kid out of California, the quarterback coming in uh, next season. Um, I think he was. I, th- I think he's right behind Arch Manning in terms of the. Wasn't he right behind? Maybe the third-rated quarterback in the entire class. I, th- I know it was Arch Manning and uh, Nico. I forget his name, but he's he's the one who was rumored to have received um, uh, something in the neighborhood of a seven million dollar NIL deal to go to Tennessee, and that's Whoa. never been that has never been confirmed. But it, it was rumored and reported uh, by somebody. I, I forget if it was on three or the Athletic. But uh, a reputable news source reported it. Well, uh, but anyway, I, I pulled that up right now. The Gainesville Sun was reporting eight million. Eight million. Okay, I, it was up there. Don't, short I mean, the guy. Don't give him yeah. eight point seven. We're talking eight here. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So um, you know, I. I Again, uh, going back to Tennessee's defense, you know, we'll see if they can improve in that area enough. I, I'm not banking on it, and so for that reason, you know, especially when they go up against somebody like Kentucky with a good quarterback, uh, you know, I, I think they'll struggle, and so I, I have them a solid third and up-and-coming program, but um, not ready for prime time yet. What's the amazing thing I found out about him is that it's that Heifel basically either ran off or other players ran themselves off 45 players last mm-hmm. Wow. But, you know, sometimes it's addition by subtraction. And, you know, with all yeah. the massive culture issues they had, you know, just bite the bullet and get it done. And yeah, get yeah you know. And going for doing that. Yeah, I mean, you know, some you, we we hear the word culture change thrown around a lot, and um, you know, that's a lot of times that's what you see and what needs to happen. And you know, some players buy into that. You know, some players realize, hey, things need to change around here. Some guys don't. You know, some guys uh, they just they're like, I don't fit here, and. Yeah, you know, it, it all depends on the player. But you know what? If you're the head coach, the new guy, you know, you, you need to have your kind of guys. And, you know, you right. might inherit them, and they're still your players. So, you know, you need to do the best for them as you would for somebody you recruited. Sure. But, you know, now they have the option to uh, move on. And so, you know, that's... Yeah. Move on. You know, you, you don't hesitate to sit down and have the conversation with the guy that, to say, you know, you'd probably be better off somewhere else. Right. Well, and while we're talking about culture, let's segue into another school that needs a, a culture pick up, and that's Florida. Now, I yep. actually had him fifth on my list, and again, you know, I'm at the pulling names out of the hat stage there. Uh, you know, we talked about Billy Napier coming in, never been a head coach for the Power Five, and here he is in the, the Power Two now, you might as well mm-hmm. say it. And also having to bring the pooper scooper with him to clean up a mess. Um, you know, he, he likes to run the spread, and uh, you know he had a lot of luck with that in Louisiana. Does he have a quarterback to run an effective spread offense against an SEC defense? Right now? 
Um, I think he does in Anthony Richardson. I think the issue uh, there is, uh, you know, Richardson has had health issues. Um, you know, he, he doesn't isn't always able to stay on the field. And so I think that's, uh, you know, if he can't stay healthy, um, they're going to have problems. Um, you know, Florida, again, uh, you know, I, I think Billy Napier is um, – he will definitely bring discipline, accountability, you know, things that fell by the wayside um, under Dan Mullen. Um, when we last talked about the coaches, I had some questions about recruiting. Uh, Florida had had a couple of big losses. He's actually since kind of made up for that and I think uh, put the fan base a little more at ease, and so I think that's a good sign for him. So, again, um, you know, that's another program where, you know, we look at him as stock. I'm a buy, but I would hold that for future rather than, you know, look for an immediate return. Um, I agree with you. Florida is my fourth team um, as far as picks. Okay, I actually had him fifth, but again. Oh, did you? I'm sorry. Okay. Again, flip a coin, fourth, fifth. Um, what about the defense? They, and, and I noticed that they had uh, more success last year against the pass than the run. Uh, that's not a great mix for a team that wants to run a spread, is the other team can get it and just keep the ball and keep them off the field. Do you see any change in that coming this year, possibly? Um, you know, I, I don't think so. Um, I, you know, they don't really have a whole lot of, um, you know, Returning as far as their production, they have a couple of good guys returning there. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not really a fan of their defense. Um, uh, no, no, I think that's uh, that's an area where again uh, depth is an issue, um, and that's where under Dan Mullen, um, you know, the recruiting uh, wasn't really up to par for what you need to, to be Florida. You know, they, I mean, they weren't terrible, but they were kind of in that 10 to 15 range. And if you're expected to be competing against Georgia, you know, Alabama and LSU and all those guys, uh, 10, yeah, yeah, uh, 10 to 15 is not going to cut it. Um, you know, you, you need to be solidly in that top 10 year on year over year. And so, uh, you know, I think depth is also an issue, you know, not just at quarterback, but also on the defensive side. And so, like you said, I, you know, I, they have a couple of really good players on the defensive side of the ball, but I don't think they're going to be able to hold up. Okay, well, my next four, I had them at, at fourth, and uh, is South Carolina, because I'm going yeah. in for Beamerball. Beamerball <laughs> 2.0. Now, Beamerball last year stunk on offense. They were 104th in the nation in scoring. Uh, what kept them from getting destroyed is their, their defense against the pass was seventh, but it was only 94th against the run. Um, so why I had him up a little bit, Spencer Rattle. Tell me what mm -hmm. you think about uh, old buddy from Oklahoma who didn't quite work out like everybody was getting ready to hand in the Heisman in August last year, and, well, we know that didn't happen. So uh, what, how, what do you think of the chances in South Carolina? 
Well, uh, obviously he, he, you know, just like uh, Shane Beamer did last year, you know, Spencer Rattler goes to South Carolina and, you know, kind of immediately gives that program a shot in the arm, um, you know, with the sort of, uh, you know, brand name player that they haven't had at the most important position nonetheless. Uh, I mean, you know, he, you know, he might be the biggest player they've had since, what, Jadavian Clowney? Um, you know, in terms of, you know, I, I, I don't mean in terms of production, but, you know, just in terms name of brand name recognition, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think with Rattler, you know, when you watch them at Oklahoma, he, he can clearly get it done. He's a, he can play. Uh, consistency was his problem. And that was why he lost his job to Caleb Williams. And, um, whether that's going to improve any at South Carolina, I think remains to be seen. Uh, you know, one thing is he's, he won't be looking over his shoulder at, you know, a five-star freshman who, you know, is, you know, pretty much had already been anointed a future first-round NFL pick. Uh, so maybe he's a little bit more at ease, um, you know, a little bit more secure. Um, we'll see. But, yeah, I think it comes down to just consistency with him. Um, that that's really what I thought his um, shortcoming at Oklahoma was, you know, when he was playing. Um, but you're right, you know, uh, defensively, uh, you know, they were they were good, but they have a you know some guys that you know they're going to have to replace and. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, they're they're my fifth. Um, you know, I have them behind Florida. Yeah, so we put Florida and South Carolina. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, you know, I mean, they, you know, they they were great at Turner. I, in fact, they, you know, I think they led the whole SEC in takeaways. Um, you know, so I mean, you know. Clearly, you know, they, they play an aggressive style of ball. You know, uh, Cam Smith, you know, the cornerback, he'll, he'll be a first-round NFL pick. Um, I, but, you know, I, I just don't know, especially up front, you know, when it comes to, you know, being able to uh, get pressure on the quarterback and, um, you know, just stop the run. I Yeah, I'm not real sure about that. And then... I'll, I'll just really be interested. I, you know, I'm, I think I'm more curious than anything to see how Rattler does there. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I really don't know what to expect there. I, I don't know about you, but I don't know what to expect. Yeah, I, really a toss-up. Uh, and, you know, he gets, he gets a rough start. He, he, they open against uh, Georgia State, but then they're – at Arkansas and home against Georgia. So he's not going to have a whole lot of time to get comfortable. No. Those two schools yeah. are not going to make any quarterbacks comfortable this year more than likely. No, no, probably not. And, of course, you know, they, you know they're, uh, I think they're the annual crossover rival is Texas A&M. Um, you know, they, yeah, they, get Ken- yeah, yeah, they get Kentucky and Florida on the road. And, oh, by the way, to end the season, they go on the road to play Clemson. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's not an easy road to hoe. Yeah, so much. Yeah, that, that fourth is looking a little shaky, but we'll see what yeah. happens. Um, well, by default, we've already anointed Vanderbilt in, in the cellar, so that leaves us with Mizzou. Mizzou? Missouri. Mizzou. Uh, the Tigers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I... 
I, I think uh, the issue with them is on offense and specifically at the skill positions. I already mentioned Tyler Beatty, uh, you know, the SEC's leading rusher they have to replace. They lost their starting quarterback, Connor, Connor Bazelic. Uh, he transferred to Indiana. Um, you know, they also have a lot of uh, amongst their uh, their um, receiving production that they have to replace. Um, you know, they do have uh, you know a pretty good foundation on the offensive line, but obviously the big question, you know, who's going to play quarterback there? And um, you know, an interesting little tidbit, somewhat timely that we're talking about them now. Um, you know, one of the guys uh, they recruited and signed um, a four-star quarterback uh, this last year. Uh, kid by the name of Sam Horn, who's a two-way athlete, and uh, he was maybe going to get drafted um, by, uh, in the recent MLB draft. And um, just a side note, um, by the way, for all our listeners who are wondering, he is not the son of former Oriole designated hitter Sam Horn, who if, I, who, if I am not mistaken, still holds the major league record for most strikeouts in one game with six. Six strikeouts in one game. That's a. Uh, I mean, you know, you're just getting up to bat six. Just getting up to bat six times is you know not very common and striking out. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, they call it three strikeouts a sombrero, so that's like a double sombrero. That is amazing. I, I think you know what it was. Um, who was it? It was Mike Flanagan, uh, rest in peace. Who said? Uh, you know, he was a teammate of his at the time, and so he said instead of the you know the sombrero, they should call it the horn of plenty. <laughs> Yeah, I think up here. It's, uh, and in fairness to Sam Horn, that was an extra inning game. Okay. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I figured it had to be. Yeah, 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 either that or the Orioles, despite Sam Horn striking out constantly, the Orioles managed to put up a lot of runs, one or the uh, other. Yeah, um, see, but anyway. A platinum sombrero, too. That's, the golden sombrero. Right. Okay. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> back to our scheduled program. So, uh, young Sam Horn. We do other sports. Okay, go ahead. That's right, yes. So, uh, young Sam Horn, who is no relation to the former Oriole. They probably know um, he, he finds himself. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> well, he was actually, uh, interestingly, if, if you know, I don't know how much stake to put in it, but MLB.com had him ranked as the 76th uh, best player in the draft, but nobody picked him. And I can only imagine that you know it was because he was probably going to want too much money to yeah. give up a chance at football to go play professional baseball. So anyway, uh, Missouri was not sure whether or not he'd be showing up, and uh, good news for them is he'll be showing up. And uh, you know they also brought in a transfer quarterback who is a seventh year senior. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, Jack Abraham, he'll, he turns uh, 25 this fall, and I can only assume he got there, uh, you know, four years, uh, you know, you have a red shirt year, he got, you have the COVID year, which didn't count, and then um, from what I read, he, he got one final year because uh, he was at Mississippi State last year, but never played because he was injured all season, so the NC CAA granted him a, one last waiver, yeah, so he gets to come back for a seventh season of college football. So we'll we'll see how it works out for Missouri. Um, we used to joke about guys like that. Oh, he must be a sixth or seventh year senior because it seems like he's been around. Don't joke anymore. He's kind of 
better one it's, it's it's no joke. I mean, this kid is well traveled, so um, you know, I, he he got around. Um, so you don't really maybe don't think of it because I I didn't know anything about him until I did my research on Missouri, and I'm like, who's he, and how's he been around for seven years? Because he's he moved around quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I I think the the turnover at the skill position talents there um, that that's going to make it really tough for them to compete. Didn't they have one of the worst defenses in the nation last year too? Uh, they weren't good. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, no, they, um, pretty bad, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, gosh. Game. It was, uh, um. In a related item, they're on their third defensive coordinator in the last three years, so. Yeah, they they were they they got steamrolled. I, I think specifically it was it was their rush uh, um, running defense that was just really horrible. Um, yeah, I, I think they were probably somewhere near dead last in the entire country in terms of running defense. I, I um, gosh, I should have looked that up, but I, I know they were bad and they just got they just got run run over every way imaginable. Um, I mean, you know. They return a lot on that side of the ball, but you know yeah, maybe that's not maybe that's not such that. a good thing. Right. Uh, you know who knows? Um, yeah, we'll see. Everybody keeping score at home. The last time Missouri won a conference championship is in a conference that no longer exists. Nineteen nine, they won the Big Eight. That is for those of you keeping score. That is now fifty-three seasons. Yeah. But didn't they come? Yeah. Weren't they going to win? Were they the ones who were involved in the infamous fifth down? Yes, with... uh Colorado. Yeah, with uh, Colorado. No, it was... Uh, it was Colorado, I thought. Uh, who got... Was it Colorado... Was it? Uh, I thought it was Missouri who... Uh, yeah, they were they were up against Colorado, and the game was going to. You know, they had a rare good season in the Big Eight, and uh, Missouri looked like they were going to win that game, and I, I Colorado got a. You, it was Colorado. Yeah. Uh, but but wouldn't Missouri have won the conference were it not for fifth down? I don't know. Maybe not. That part I don't remember. Okay. Well, they already lost two games at that point, so probably not. But anyway. Okay. But any, yeah. So uh, once again, a little Good useless time. trivia. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's what we do. But, uh, yeah. All right. So so we are left now at the bottom of the heap with Vanderbilt. And did you notice that uh, Coach Clark Lee had some very bold statements to make? At the uh, SEC media, they said they're going to be a powerhouse team. Not this year. So at least he wasn't. They didn't have to drug test him afterwards. But uh, he is power. What does he mean by hey, Yeah, whose house? Well, that's, yeah, you can kind of parse that. I don't think I have the exact quote, but uh, he was very like, hey, we're, we're going to get it. Well, you know what? I, 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 yeah, yeah, I, I admire the bold statements. I, I respect that. I respect that. Hey, you know. Why would you want to come in there and say, hey, our ceiling is winning six games and going to a bowl, which it probably is when you're Vanderbilt, but you know what? Why not why not put something like that out there? I you got what do you got to lose? You know, the way the way coaches get hired and fired nowadays, you got nothing to lose there. Um, you know, I will say this, you know, Vanderbilt um, they've been recruiting better by their standards. 
Um, so, you know, I, I, you know they, they've been nothing since James Franklin's um, tenure, and they were really nothing before then. Um, whether Clark Lee is going to get them, you know, into the where they were in the James Franklin era, well, they, I think they won eight games one year. Uh, I don't see that happening, but... You know, he has improved the recruiting a little bit, so, you know, maybe not one of these days he can get them up to that six-win territory and they go bowling. That's well, this is a measure of how far they have to go. Last year, they were 128th in the nation in scoring, which is, there's not many more schools left that they, they could be 15.8 a game, and they made up for that with a horrible defense which was 119th in the nation, allowing 35.5. So you're getting outscored by more than double for your average game. And you know, some of them were even worse than average. That's your future powerhouse. Who <laughs> <laughs> so did they beat last year? Um, they, they beat Colorado State, which is... Halfway respectable G5 school. Who, who else? And Connecticut, which is not halfway respectable. Okay. Well, you know what? They're, they're, they're FBS at least. Uh, I don't know. Did they, did they play any G5 teams? Or, I'm sorry, F, FCS teams. East Tennessee State, are they FCS? Uh, yes, they, yes, they are. They lost to them 23 to 3. Oh, wow. Terrific. Yeah, that was the only FCS team that played. Probably a good thing in hindsight. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? More power to them, and if nothing else, uh, you know they they raised the SEC's grade point average, so good for them. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, it's just boy, you know how how lucky to be them and join the conference so oh, so many years ago. So at the very least, they're going to have a seat at the table. Um, you know, they'll be they'll be eating scraps, but they got a seat at the table, so and good for them. Seats, probably you can get a seat at any of their home games, uh, yep. day of the game. I, I wouldn't think you have to make a lot of advanced planning. So there's that. Yeah. Well, I look at, at, at it this way. And, you know, I, 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 I don't follow their sports very much, but I know they've got a very good baseball program. So as long as they're in the SEC, you know, they're going to have the money to make sure that they fund that baseball program and, you know, keep them among, you know, the elite programs in the country. So, so you know what, it's all in what you... Yeah, it's all in what you value. Yes, and clearly they, they're not valuing football, and, you know, that's probably just as well. Just um, as well, yeah. Well, you know, somebody's got to be at the bottom. That's right, and you can at least this way you don't have to guess. Uh, it's a great school, so, you know, love it is outstanding. CPA and all that. Uh, yep. Well, that's going to pretty much wrap up our SEC East preview. Uh, a couple of teams on the rise. you got to uh, keep an eye on Florida, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, and uh, the Georgia is the team to watch. And uh, we'll be seeing them play well into December and probably January again this year. And everybody else will be fighting for the scraps of the bowl system, of which there are plenty. So... Uh, next week, a special treat for listeners as we try to mix it up a little bit between our conference reviews. What if, I know you're asking this question, and we're going to answer it for you next week. What if Mike Rowe were the college football czar for a day? 
Mike is going to quit off. Well, make it a season. <laughs> one season. One season. You have a very busy day. Okay. Give me, give me, a, yeah, give yeah. me a whole season. Give me, a, give, me, give me one season and tell me if you like the changes. You give him a little power, he's already grabbing more. You're a great fit in that position, I'll tell you. So, um, next week, what would Mike... Low do as the college footballs are for a season. Okay, we'll give him some time, no pressure. And we'll have some fun with that. And I think we'll probably get some very interesting ideas. So we hope the NCAA is listening while they are still relevant to the whole discussion, if they even still are. So um, we hope you enjoyed this episode even half as much as we enjoy doing it because we just have fun talking college football. And that's kind of why we're doing it. So, um, for, for Mike, uh, I'm Jim Johnson, and hope you have a great week, everybody. Zach, I am ready to begin my reign of terror next week, so be ready. <laughs> be forewarned, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.